You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I'm guessing we have a lot of time to talk about this with Packernet After Dark, and we have a lot of things to talk about today, so I will try, I will try, try, try as hard as I can to summarize my thoughts quickly. And we'll just leave some of this out there with the assumption, a lot of times I feel like I need to cover every single angle of something, and then we talk about it 900 times, and it's like, all right, I've, I've said this a billion times, but let's cover it again. So let's leave a little bit to be desired, all right? So the news broke, Aaron Rodgers took a $35 million pay cut. Now, I don't know how official all the news is on this. Um, th- there's uh, apparently a few different things that this could mean. I don't know if official details have been released, but it is worth noting that generally when things get leaked, it gets leaked by the agent, so it's going to be the best possible way for the agent to spin it. And of course, the best possible way would be my client just took a $35 million pay cut. Now, I think that is what happened, but I I, I just just know how dangerous it is to launch into these things and go into all this different stuff just to come to find out like, oh, it wasn't actually like that. And then you're like, oh, now I feel like an idiot. With that said, here is my primary thought when when I thought about all this. Because I was really thinking about all this stuff through, right? Because it's like, all right, well, he took a pay cut. It makes sense. But also, for all the reasons it made sense, it didn't seem to make sense here. And not just under Ted, or under um, Gutekunst, but also under Ted Thompson. All those years we were contenders, it never seemed to make sense to him then. But anyways, without getting into all the details, as I said, I wouldn't do in terms of how I came to this sort of thinking. What seems to be evident to me, and of course, I'll I'll take all your calls on Packernet After Dark and whatnot. You guys can help me think through this stuff. But it seems obvious to me. Let me say something obvious here to everybody. Rogers and Gutekunst hated each other. And I, I think either way you slice it, Aaron Rodgers' sole motivation since the drafting of Jordan Love has been a big middle finger to Brian Gutekunst. And we benefited from that for a few years because we got ticked off Aaron Rodgers playing at a high level, right? But not everything about this whole thing has been positive. Do you remember that scene from The Office after Michael came back and he started getting mad at everybody because he wanted an apology? And he started treating everyone like garbage. For those of you that don't watch The Office, that's sort of the backstory. So he quits his job. He feels he's not appreciated. He gives the middle finger to the organization. He starts his own company. He ends up getting a buyout and, and, and gets his job back and everything else. And he's mad at everybody because when he left, nobody wanted to follow him. This, this part of it is somewhat irrelevant. I'm just setting the stage for, for what is going on here. And, and the tensions keep ramping up, right? And finally it comes to a head and... Um, Michael Scott basically is like, you know, just tells him why he's so mad at them. And then Phyllis comes back and says this. Michael, you thought you were attacking corporate, but we were the ones who got hurt. You should be apologizing to us. That's right. Michael, you always said we were a family. Then you went after us. At the end of the day, saying screw you to Brian Gutekunst in the form of, let's just use one example, a monstrous cap-crushing contract is a major W for Aaron Rodgers. If we're watching this as a soap opera in which two, you know, housewives bicker back and forth, Aaron Rodgers smacked the living crap out of Brian Gutekunst. But you know who else got the crap kicked out of him? We did. The organization did. The fans as well as his teammates. And um, I've always said nobody is under any obligation whatsoever to take a pay cut, and I would never fault anybody. I, I never liked when people would say, you know, the reason the Patriots win is because he takes pay cuts and Rodgers refuses to do it. You know what? It's his prerogative to get as much money as he possibly can. But when you go and take a pay cut with the Jets in the first year, all those years that you said you really wanted to win here in Green Bay, and then you give them something that you would never give Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, or anybody else, you know, it just it just is what it is, I guess. 
People are going to feel a certain kind of way about that. I feel a certain kind of way about that. I feel like we all got caught up in this little pissing match between Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers, and we just caught a lot of shrapnel. And, and again, at the end of the day, my stance stays exactly the same. This needed to end. In fact, um, I, I'm coming of, uh, I, I am coming to the opinion, although maybe everything went exactly the way it should. If, if, if Jordan Love pans out, then I'm glad that things panned out the way that they did as far as being patient. But I, I feel as though, and, and we'll, there's a, Andrew Brandt did a great interview. We'll talk about it tomorrow because we'll have a little bit more time. But um, there was just a massive departure by Brian Gutekunst these last couple of years in terms of how he handled things. It was not the Packer way. And I think Aaron Rodgers should have been let go a long time ago. We would have missed out on, on some years here, but it, it, it's becoming clear that, and I'm not saying everything was toxic. I, let me be very clear. I think Rodgers genuinely cares about his teammates most of the staff as well as coaches, probably several front office people. I think he genuinely appreciates the fans and the organization. But I think he lost sight of that and was blinded by his, his um, well, he, he got caught up in a fight. He had no intention of losing it. And I, and I honestly think he's still fighting it. And my one final thought, and we'll get out of here, because, you know, you can look at this and say, well, then, you know, Gutekunst and Rogers are both complicit. You can say that. And you can even blame Gutekunst for starting it if you think it's not his, uh, he doesn't have the right to draft a quarterback. I would disagree with that. But regardless of who started it, one thing I know is that everything Brian Gutekunst did, he felt was in the best interest of the team. Everything Rodgers did seems to have been in the interest of smacking Gutekunst in the face. So congratulations to Aaron Rodgers for thoroughly teaching Brian Gutekunst a lesson. And anybody else that would dare to cross you, you are the man among men. You're a powerful man, you're a strong man, and anyone that crosses you should shiver in fear. But I just wish it hadn't ended the way that it ended, you know what I mean? I always enjoyed being a fan. So, whatever. We'll get through his last little couple years of his fling with the Jets, and we'll move on, and I look forward to getting beyond this point in our history, just like with Favre, hopefully much sooner, um, within a year or two of him leaving the NFL. I hope that we can bring him back and honor him as a Green Bay Packer and just put all this garbage behind us. Um, because, you know, it, it, it really is in a way kind of like when parents fight, you know, when mommy and daddy are fighting. The, the intention is not to hurt the kids, but that's where most of the damage is done. As much as it's just you lashing out at your spouse, your spouse isn't hurt nearly as much as your kids are. And, and that's just kind of how it feels like it went in Green Bay. And the whole thing was just toxic and it, it just needed to end and it did end and everybody's in a better place. Rodgers didn't do anything wrong as far as taking a pay cut or anything like that. It just it just really highlights the situation as it was and as it is. But again, I don't know exactly all the details. If it's just straight up, yeah, just take, you know, basically void this money out of the contract or whatever, then uh, I guess that's what it is. I know there's uh, basically no maneuvering your way out of this contract, so... Either it's like clever maneuvering in which the Jets are going to have to pay it at some point, or it was just a straight-up cut or some kind of mix in between. But it is what it is, man. We'll see how it goes. Again, I'm sure this will come up on Packernet After Dark, and, and I'll talk more, not directly about this, but adjacent to this when we kind of go over some of the Andrew Brandt stuff. But anyways, let's move on off of that topic. We had another day of training camp. Oh, and I did have one uh, further clarification. I was talking about Sean Ryan yesterday. And although one of the notes that did come out is that Sean Ryan's body does look better, and he did mention that and all that, um, I do think the larger point that he was trying to make had to do with his um, being suspended for uh, PED use, which I completely forgot about because it, you know, I mean, it, it was, it was, I, I, I definitely remember it now because it was one of those things like, you got to be kidding me, he was that bad and he was cheating. <laughs> I think that was the, the quote, but um, I think that was more of what he was talking about, so... Again, hopefully things go better with Sean Ryan and he takes some steps. And again, the coaches have somewhat highlighted that he does look better this year than he did look last year. But I think more specifically, that was the, the main crux of what was being talked about by Sean Ryan. So anyways, let's get into this. We'll do the same thing. We'll go through chronologically um, the reports that took place. Again, thank you to all the people on the beat that are over there. Um, I'll try to mention a few names as we go along. Uh, we are definitely a blessed fan base to have as many people covering this team as we do. Like I said, you, you try to get some Lions news. There's nothing out there, man. Uh, the Bears do a decent job. The Vikings do a decent job. But I don't, I don't know that there's a fan base that has as many people, you know, live tweeting all the, the details going on at uh, training camp. I mean, every single pass, every block, you're getting an update on it. So 
again, we'll go through chronologically and then I will um, talk a little bit about a few of the changes that I did make on the um, on my note-taking 53 board thing. Uh, first of all, Matt LaFleur came to the podium once again. Um, he mentioned, which was somewhat self-evident, but the um, Packers offense was doing push-ups yesterday because they're doing this competition and the defense clearly won, so they had to do push-ups. Uh, he also commented on the wind yesterday for Jordan Love, basically not allowing any excuses. I think his comment was, I didn't notice any wind. Um, he also, as I said, mentioned Sean Ryan is in much better shape than he was a year ago. Commented on um, Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, saying, I think we've seen a lot of maturity out of both of those guys, which is great. Talking about Jordan Love, he says, I know he's respected. I know his teammates respect him in the locker room, and he's earned that. I know everyone wants him to have a lot of success this year. And then one of my favorite quotes from the whole thing, uh, Ryan Wood says, Matt LaFleur said he was walking out of meetings last night and saw rookies tight, rookie tight ends Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft still in the building going over plays. Quote, they're not afraid of the work. We almost have to protect them from themselves sometimes. So I absolutely love to see that. Because, look, that's all you can do, man. You know, you are what you are. You're, you're Where you're at with your height, weight, speed, athleticism, knowledge, all that stuff, that's just where you are. All you have is your time and your effort. Maximize it. Oh, some relatively uh, big injury news. Apparently, Dentavian Wicks is dealing with a concussion, so he was not out there. Do not know the severity of that. I hope it's not anything serious. Concussions are, well, like a lot of things, sort of like a soft tissue injury. He could be back real quick, could just be cleared up, or this could be kind of a, a long deal. So I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, I, I, from what I heard yesterday, he looked pretty solid. Um, I think he's a talented guy. I think he could definitely use the work. I think he could have a role this year. So let's just, uh, fingers crossed that he gets back out there as soon as possible. And as a reminder, we can thank Mr. Magoo for that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right, let's get into this. Ready? Safeties and cornerbacks do an individual position drills. Ennis Gaines, who has played mostly out of the slot, with the cornerbacks right now. So that that sort of solidified it. It, it. Again, everybody's been saying he's in the slot, but they're just these tiny little snippets. So it's like, well, is he is he a safety kind of coming up into the slot? Like, what are we talking about? If he's doing individual drills with corners, that kind of solidifies it a little more, which I think I mentioned last night or two nights ago whatever i did adjust maybe i mentioned it on this podcast i don't know man but i adjusted my 53 so that it's left tackle left guard off into blah 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 so it's, it's a little bit more broad so i do have slot cornerback included in this so right now it's Keyshawn, shamar and then Innes is just outside of the 53 but he is um potentially going to overtake that spot if he continues doing what he's doing um at edge today um it was not justin hollins as the number two it was Kingsley who got a shot with Preston, which did impact my 53. I had Lucas Van Ness ahead of Kingsley, but since Justin Hollins gets first crack at the number three job, then Kingsley, even though I'm sure, or I shouldn't say I'm sure, it's possible next time it'll be Lucas Van Ness, it's still in the order that I think that they're going to want to do it. So I have Rashawn, then Preston, then Justin, then Kingsley, then Lucas, then Ladarius Hamilton is how I have it. And then outside of the 53, Brenton Cox, Kenneth, and Keyshawn Banks. Uh, David Bakhtiari was not at practice today. I don't think it has anything to do with an injury. I think they're just really trying to give him a lighter load. And with all the injuries going on, I saw Joe Burrow got carted off and whatnot. Um, Garrett Wilson was injured. It makes sense to, you know, make sure he's up to speed, make sure he's acclimated. But, but you know, if you want to give him 60, 70% off, I think I'm fine with that, especially considering his injury history and whatnot. Uh, Traverius Moore, Tariq Carpenter, and Caleb Jones all came back. All three of them were out with illnesses. So I, as I said, I'm assuming that they would come back quickly, and they did. I took them all off the NFI list. I'm assuming that's why they were on there, so I just took them off because I don't think you can practice if you're on that. So good to have them back. Um, starters in today's practice on offense, obviously it was Love, Aaron Jones, and then they had three wide receivers today. So I think they were in, was it 22 or 12? I think they were in 12 personnel yesterday. So they're only two wide receivers, but... Um, today they had Watson, Reed, and Dobbs out on the field, so that, you know, gives me confidence Reed is number three. And then they only had one tight end, and that's Musgrave. So I'm keeping Musgrave where he was and have Josiah as the number two for now. And then the offensive line, in the absence of David Bakhtiari, Yash is the left tackle. And then it's Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon, and Zach Tom, as we would expect. And that solidifies this is the second day that Yash Nyman has been left tackle too. So that remains, we got at left tackle, David Bakhtiari, and then Yash Nyman. And then we actually do have a three, we'll get there. 
Uh, left guard, Elton Jenkins, followed by Sean Ryan. Center is Josh Myers, followed by Jake Hansen. Right guard is John Runyon, followed by Royce. Right tackle, Zach Tom, followed by Rashid Walker. All of those have maintained since yesterday. So I don't remember an offensive line feeling more concrete than it is this year. They may do some shuffling at some point, but usually it's very open. I feel like this is pretty locked in. On the defensive side, Wyatt, Clark, and Slayton, defensive tackles. Again, on the inside, Quay and Campbell. Then we had Smith and Enigbare, as I said. Um, Jair and Razul at corner. Ford and Savage at safety. Again, even that seems pretty locked in for the most part. Um, first fun play of the day, Ryan Wood says, end around to Jaden Reed. Expect him to be on the fly to be the fly wide receiver in Matt LaFleur's offense. Andy Herman says, Jaden Reed shows off the speed on an end around that caught the defense by surprise. Looked like Enigbari may have got caught inside. Some serious speed by Reed. And there is actually a video on social media. There's not supposed to be, but uh, Big B over there apparently just does not care. Andy Herman says, Carrington Valentine can play man. One-on-one in man against Christian Watson. Love put it in a good spot, but Valentine closed quickly and used his length to bat it away from Watson. Really fun play by the seventh rounder who had a very nice showing in OTAs and minicamps as well. So again, I've got that sort of uh, Valentine-Valentine competition. I did have Valentine as you know in that spot ahead of him. For all I know, they could both be in there. I don't know, but um, it's good to see because there's been a lot of hype about um, not just Anthony Johnson, the seventh round rookie, but also Carrington Valentine. Not as much, but there are some serious uh, believers in Valentine. So hopefully he can kind of keep that up. Herman also says Malik Heath with a rookie mistake didn't catch the check at the line from Etling. He went in to block when Etling threw it to him on a quick slant. So I'm going to, a little bit of a spoiler alert here. Malik Heath has had a pretty bad day and a pretty bad start to camp. I did once again remove him. I keep putting him back and then removing him, putting him back, removing him. I took him off. I don't want to put Grant DuBose in there because he's got a back injury, and I don't have any reason to put Bo Melton or Deuce Watts in there either. So we're just staying with five wide receivers until anyone can prove that they even belong in that group of wide receivers. Paul Brettel says, really nice pass rush rep from TJ Slayton, pushes his way into the backfield against Myers. And then we got Innis Gaines also comes up with a pick, almost comes up with a pick against Clifford. Skied nicely for a play on the ball and pass breakup. Uh, Etling is once again QB2, so again, uh, as it was in day one, it's Jordan, Danny, then Sean, then Magoo. I think it stayed that way today. And then he says, Levitt and Owens at safety with the second defense. That's what it was yesterday, or I guess two days ago also. So no change there either. We got one, two, three, and four locked in so far. Tyler Goodson just had a snap in a Tyler Irvin role coming across as a decoy on a jet sweep. That would be a nice little opportunity for him. Another little uh, peek into the future. Tyler Goodson has replaced Patrick Taylor on my 53. I put Patrick Taylor in there kind of by default, just it was a toss-up kind of thing. Lots of notes about Tyler Goodson. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be positive. They used him in some pretty unique ways, which again, we'll get into. Maybe they're just trying to see, like, can you do this? Can you do that? Which sometimes when they do that, it means you're about to go bye-bye, and we just need to see if you can do this. But um, I'm going to take it as a positive that uh, they really like his versatility and aren't exploring that. So as of right now, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, then Tyler Goodson, and then off the 53 currently, Patrick Taylor, then Lou Nichols, then Emmanuel Wilson. Quay Walker knifes through the line for a potential stop in the backfield. When he's play, uh, when he plays fast and sensual football, he can be an impact player, has so much speed at linebacker. That was Andy Herman. So more positivity. I think most of the linebacker notes have been very positive lately couple passes caught on him, but usually it's somebody who's in tight coverage kind of thing. Uh, Paul Brettel says, a lot of two tight end sets again. Packers use 12 personnel at second highest rate last season. Again, will be a big factor. Goodson getting more looks lined up out wide or in the slot. So again, there's more Goodson talking about being used at wide receiver. Now, it's entirely possible he may just be looking to make a switch, or maybe they're trying to push him over there, which, you know, again, might be a negative, might be a positive. I don't think that's happening, but there's just a lot of talk about him being out wide. Isaiah McDuffie with a nice start to practice, had a nice rush off the edge on one play, and now a nice run stop. Such a natural player. I really do like, I like our linebackers, man, which is such a weird thing to say as a Packer fan, but Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Isaiah McDuffie, and Eric Wilson, I'm sold. All four of them, I'm sold. I just like them. Uh, Paul Brettel again, talking about Goodson, says Goodson's being used as motion man a lot today. Uh, Ryan Wood going through the second string offensive line, we kind of talked about it, but from left to right, Caleb Jones... Sean Ryan, Jake Hansen, Royce Newman, and Rasheed Walker. Again, I think that's identical to what it was yesterday. So, And considering that's pretty much almost all the offensive linemen we have, 
Actually, you know what? That's not true because Caleb Jones was out with an illness. So that's that's a new one. So Caleb Jones would be left tackle three, essentially. That one's due. But everything else is day two of the same thing. So it's David Bakhtiari is number one, then Yash number two, then Caleb Jones number three. Now, the, the question would be, if David Bakhtiari comes back, could it potentially be Zach Tom number one at right tackle with Yash number two, and then Bakhtiari and then Caleb? You know what I mean? Because Yash is just kind of filling in in the absence of David Bakhtiari. But with David Bakhtiari back, where do you put Yash Nyman? I guess he could be a swing, right? You got Bakhtiari and Zach Tom at both your tackles. And if either of them goes down, Yash is going to take over. He's sort of that. He's your number two left tackle and your number two right tackle. But with Yash being sort of that, then you got Caleb at left and Rashid at right. At least that's what where they have it right now. Uh, Wes Hodkowitz says, Lou Nichols showing some wiggle in team run PA. Goodson broke a nice gain up the middle too. Number three running back battle off and running. So first really good note from Lou Nichols, which is great to see. And it is it is kind of heating up. I thought Patrick Taylor was going to be the top guy. Tyler Goodson kind of takes off. Then Lou Nichols is kind of showing up today. Uh, we got good start for the offense and team red zone. Laser from Love to Jaden Reed on a crosser. Enigbare working opposite Preston today, by the way. Andy Herman says Jordan Love to Jaden Reed for a gorgeous touchdown in the back of the end zone to start the com- uh, competing competing red zone period great route better throw campbell and coverage in zone paul brettel in the red zone drill says of note heath and nichols with the group that features starters so kind of like heath is just teeter in there uh but also lou nichols and then he says five wide dobbs reed turay musgrave and jones motioned out of the backfield love finds reed in the end zone with campbell in coverage I'm assuming that's the same touchdown play kyle malzahn comment i i like reading all the comments because they each say a little bit of different things jordan love connects with Jaden reed in the end zone perfect ball reed turning some heads in day two of packers training camp which just gets me excited because i think a lot of us really turn the corner on Jaden reed and are becoming big or or shouldn't say becoming big reed fans but we became sold on Jaden reed when we went back and actually watched the guys like holy crap this guy could be talented so on day two to start hearing stuff like this it's like all right let's go i love it man Ryan Wood says, Jordan Love just dropped a dime past Devondre Campbell's ear hole to Jaden Reed for a touchdown in red zone period. Love's best pass in this early part of camp so far. And I had somebody comment on that and say, so would we call that a wow throw? However, Campbell gets payback on the next play as Love's pass gets batted in the air and Campbell comes down with the pick. Love's first interception of camp. Then we got Jordan Love throws to A.J. Dillon in the flat. Ball pops out and Keyshawn Nixon picks up the fumble. Paul Brettel does a quick summary of the red zone period. False start on Runyon. Enigbare puts some pressure on Love. Gets around Nyman at left tackle. Love interception. Deflected pass into a tight window. So that was one play. Then incomplete. Throw to Dylan. Flat knocked away by Douglas. And then overthrow on back shoulder to Dobb. So this is where things started to just kind of fall apart and I started to freak out. Like, dude, don't. We got off to a good start. This is going to be a good day. What are we doing? We got a false start. We got thrown into tight windows that gets picked. Then we get a fumble. Now we got you overthrowing Dobbs. Like, just let's take a breath here, man, because this is not good. Andy Herman says on the overthrow, Love overthrows Dobbs on the next uh, red zone play, trying to hit the fade. Jair was all over it anyways. If you're not aware, Jair, very good at the sport of football. Basically, and I think this was the same as last year as well. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. Basically a perfect training camp. Like, Jair for two years, I'm including two days this year, has just locked everybody down. Maybe that's the benefit of not having Devontae around anymore. But the bottom line, if you're not Devontae Adams, you're not going to beat the guy. Then we get Love slightly high for Musgrave on the next red zone play. Lots of pressure on 10, who did well to buy time, but Musgrave not quite tall enough in the back of the end zone. Again, you just kind of feel like this this building of like, what are we doing here? We got off to a great start. We got a pick. We got a fumble. We got a false start. And then we get two overthrows back to back. You know, I'm I'm not there, so I, I can't really feel the vibe that everybody else is getting. I'm just reading it and trying to in, in, interpret what they're saying. And it just feels as though things are spiraling out of control for the offense as a whole, but also a little bit for Jordan Love, right? He threw a pick, and now it's just like things are a little bit off. And, and obviously, as they've said, there seems to be quite a bit of pressure going on all of a sudden. I will throw in one final caveat here. This isn't necessarily a bad thing for a fan base that expects their defense or hopes that their defense can actually achieve their goal of being a top five defense and for a team that expects the defense to put a lot of the weight on their shoulders to help carry this team if they really are that good 
let's flip it. If this really is, let's just say hypothetically, let's say this is a top five defense. If you can't disrupt Jordan Love, Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, guys that have very, very little experience in the NFL and have really never worked together before, at least in terms of NFL starting capacity, I'm skeptical of your top five ability. That's all I'm going to say. Anyways, continuing on. By the way, a bunch of videos of Jordan Love thrown into the nets. He he has not, I don't think he's missed one, or at least they're not publishing the videos, but that was always a big ding is like Jordan Love missed one of the shots into the net. And it was like, oh, look, he can't throw. He is freaking draining though. That's not easy either. Rodgers wasn't 100% on those either. And he's like throwing on the move off his back foot. Uh, Paul Brettel says, during special teams drills, Watson and Dobbs off to the side working with Jair Alexander. You got to love that. Watson did catch a pass, but Jair kind of pulled up and let him catch it. I think he could have got there and broke that up. It, 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 one of the nice things about it, though, is he, he really does have, I mean, you know how, how tall he is. He's got some long arms, too. If you can place a ball, he's kind of like a tight end in a way. I saw this earlier on another play that they showed that I don't think we were supposed to watch. It was Big B again. But um, the ball didn't even go to Musgrave, but it was one of those things where he had just that little bit of separation. If you throw it out in front of him with his long arms, he's going to be able to catch that. So something to work on. It was a coach throwing the pass, so it's, you know. Andy Herman says, Devontae Wyatt moves so well for a big man. Nice job getting down the line on a run to the opposite side of him. It's another guy that, you know, we talked about it early. We, we already got some positive reports from the coach about Wyatt and, um, and Quay. And so far, from through two days of camp, it's, it's not really blowing smoke. It's been all positive for both of those guys. So fingers crossed that, because um, if those guys both can take some big jumps, that's, I mean, that in and of itself is massive. I'm just excited about the pass rush, man. I know run defense and all that, but if, if Devontae Wyatt and Colby and uh, Carl Brooks, if these guys can really get on their horse as a pass rushing unit, oh, <laughs> oh boy. Tell you what, why don't we take a break? We're kind of about that halfway. I think we're getting close to the end of all this, and I don't have a ton to say on the other side, not a ton of NFL news. Um, and we've kind of been going through the 53 as I've gone through this, so we won't need a ton of time for that. So let's take a break right here. Please remember to check out grassfedcooperative.com. Use promo code PACKER10 with a capital P. I actually just loaded up on some meat. Very, very excited about it. I'm, I'm cooking something that I had from uh, from a while ago. But I restocked with some meat, and there's nothing better than getting a big old box of meat delivered to your door. So um, if you're interested, please check it out again. Promo code is PACKER10 with a capital P. The website, again, is grassfedcooperative.com. Oh, free shipping on beef boxes, by the way. So there you go. Just went to their site and saw that right on the front. I figured I should say that. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so it seems like they break these things into two parts, right? So you got the, the well, you got practice where you're just like throwing in nets and doing all that stuff and, and special teams and all that. Um, then you got your competition period where they go at it and you get the notes. And then you get kind of in this little breakdown period again. And that's where they just were. That's where we just left off. Now they're back into the whatever they're doing, 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11, seven, 11 11, whatever. Andy Herman starts off and says, Watson from Love for a touchdown. Great job of Love going through his progressions and hitting Watson on a secondary read. Next play, he navigates the pocket and scrambles up the middle. 
Paul Brettel says, more red zone. Musgrave and DeGuara on the field. Pitch right to Dylan for a few yards. Nice job by the defense to rally to the ball. Love finds Watson for six. Watson worked across the field from right to left. Found space. And then pocket collapse. Love escapes up the middle. Packers showing a four-man defensive line with two additional edge rushers in goal line. It matters not as Jones navigates it easily for a very vintage Jones touchdown. Wes Hodkwood says, two red zone connections with Love and Watson. Most recent, nice fade to the pylon for a touchdown. Herman says, Jordan Love on an absolute line to Watson for a touchdown with Douglas having phenomenal coverage. Love placed it perfectly and with some serious juice. Awesome play by 10. Ryan Wood says, Jordan Love just threaded one to Christian Watson on a left out route from a five-yard line. Razul Douglas had tight coverage, but Love put it uh, in the only place it could be caught, touchdown. Brettel again with more red zone. Nice blocking by Tyler Davis, lined up in line, creates opening for Jones. Uh, Davis seeing his fair share of snaps right now. Play action, Love squeezes a pass to Watson on sideline for six. Douglas a half second late. And then two running backs, Nichols and Jones. Play action. Hollins comes in untouched. Communication breakdown up front. So it is kind of interesting. They had a two running back set with Aaron Jones and Lou Nichols. And then, you know, it went south, but interesting nonetheless. Kyle Malzahn says, uh, Jordan Love is connected with Christian Watson twice for a touchdown. First one, perfect ball. Second one, Watson versus Razul Douglas. Watson comes away with it. Douglas was playfully mad, and Watson got uh, the best of it and kicked the garbage can over. And then one of the people in the staff had to go clean up all the garbage, which is kind of messed up. Then uh, Malik Heath gets another shot. Herman says, Etling gave him another chance at this one in their red zone drive. Malik ran the right route but dropped the pass. Tough day for the undrafted free agent. So again, after that one, I just dropped him off at wide receiver. Has not been the greatest camp for him so far. Again, he was kind of the star of OTAs. But as I said, coming into this, let's not get carried away with that. There's still a lot of time left. Things can go south. Things can get better, whatever. Um, right now, I don't think we have any wide receivers that are on the outside stepping up. I mean, Tay Wicks is concussed. Samori Turi, I don't think I've hardly heard his name at all. We'll get into the notes a little bit later. Malik Heath has been negative. Grant DeBose is out with a back injury. And then Bo, uh, Bo Melton, Deuce Watch, Jadakiss Bonds, and Cody Crest basically heard nothing, right? It's been positive from Dobbs, Reed, and Watson, at least today. Watson was, you know, not a great day yesterday. But we know that already. We need, we need somebody else. Who's going to be that next guy? Looks like at this point, you know, it's still early, but at this point, Samori Ture is, is locked in, having done nothing <laughs> to earn that. Paul Brettel, second offense from 10. Offensive line is Jones, Ryan, Hanson, Newman, Walker. So that's the same number two offensive line. Then they've got Colby Wooden and Brooks at interior defensive line. So that is, it's where I had it, but it's just some actual confirmation. We've got the number twos out there, and immediately you have Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. So that would make it essentially Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, then Colby, and then Carl. And again, I have them split up into defensive end and nose tackle. So it's Kenny, Wyatt, Colby, Carl, and then nose tackle TJ and Jonathan Ford. Um, Etling at quarterback, quick slant to Heath, dropped. Pressure from Wooden, Etling scrambles, so already got a pressure from Colby Wooden. Etling tries to squeeze a pass to Bo Melton. It was high and behind, Owens in coverage. Andy Herman, Tyler Goodson getting a legit look in the slot today, at least third time he's lined up there. Unfortunately, this time he's lined up in the wrong spot, which ended up sort of telegraphing the quick pass, which the defense read perfectly incomplete. Love finds Musgrave over the middle on a slant, but Musgrave can't hold on. Some rookie moment showing up today. I'm still taking that as a positive note for Love. Kyle Mazan says Luke Musgrave just dropped a perfect ball from Jordan Love in the middle of the field during red zone drill. Ryan Wood actually says a couple drops for Luke Musgrave today, including on a slant in the red zone that would have been a touchdown from Jordan Love. That's something he struggled with in spring, too. Big target, athletic, got to work on the hands. And, and to be completely honest, this is one of the things I notice about almost all of our draft picks. Going back to Dobbs and Watson, like drops are like the thing that's a concern. And I think that's true of Jaden Reed as well as maybe the tight ends. I mean, it was it was almost all of them. I don't want to definitively say everyone, like Tay Wicks and all that, but I think for the most part, our draft picks have, as great as they look in a lot of reasons, uh, drops seem to be an issue, which is surprising because usually, in my opinion, that's one of the things you you need to be wary of. And the Packers seem to not really worry about that all that much. I don't know. Herman says, Love definitely going to be using his legs some this season. Just scrambled for what looked like a touchdown. Campbell may have had a chance to stop him uh, if it was live. Kalmazan says, there's been multiple times today that Jordan Love has gone through his reads in the pocket and then stepped up and runs the ball. That will certainly be fun to see this season. Love showing a ton of mobility. 
Paul Brettel with a breakdown on first-team offense, defense, red zone. Goodson out wide, quick screen dropped, and defense all over it. Musgrave over the middle from the slot, passed through his hands. Pocket collapsed, Love escapes up the middle. Trips left with Dobbs, Watson, and Reed. Love's fi- Love finds Musgrave on the goal line. Then, scary note here, Jair Alexander down after stopping Musgrave short of the end zone. He gets up, goes to the sideline to get looked at by a trainer, nervous moments. Bill Huber says, Alexander, another dominant day, prevents two completions in red zone versus Love. Malzahn says, Jair Alexander receiving medical attention right now on his lower uh, body, off on the sideline after a physical play. And then shortly after, Jair back up and appeared to be walking fine. Practice comes to an end, but Paul Brettel has um, one final summary here. Magoo at quarterback in red zone. Pressure from Lawan incomplete. Nichols for a few yards. Has time. May have had Reed on a quick out. Scrambles. Throws the ball away. Low snap. Nice recovery. Finds Melton on a slant in the end zone. So Magoo got one in the end. Herman uh, elaborates, says, Jair up and walking around on the sideline, still holding his helmet and, and talking with teammates. Walking with a slight limp, but nobody seems overly concerned. Hopefully just a cramp. It was... I saw somebody said it was 97 in Green Bay today. I think down by me it was 101 degrees, so that was a little surprising. And then we got offense doing up-downs at request of the defense after losing the competitive period today. And it's players and coaches, which I think is pretty cool. Andy Herman says, My players of the day, Jordan Love, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and Isaiah McDuffie. That's not a it's not a terrible list. As far as Jordan Love, look, I mean, it, it's not the perfect day I've been asking for, but it's a lot closer, right? We had, we had the little meltdown period. Started off hot. And then it was like bad, and then it went to worse and worse and worse. And then they took a break, and then they came back, and he just shredded again. So, you know, I mean, I'm 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 more than happy with this level of performance generally. But I'm also still of of that that mind where it's like I just want one, just give me one, so I can satisfy it and just be like, this was a perfect day. I'm not saying perfect like every pass has to be a touchdown, but I'm just saying no interception, no overthrows. It could be a checkdown. You know, if you just remove the two overthrows and a pick. It was a perfect day. And and beyond that, I mean, we're talking like highlight throws and all that. And I think the reason I'm I'm kind of nitpicky about it is that again, for me personally, this is my concern with Jordan Love, is that he's very inconsistent. You see the eliteness, but then you see the what the heck was thatness. And so as long as training camp goes along and it's like, wow, that was the best throw I've ever seen, followed by and there's a pick. As long as that's still a thing. I'm going to have some nerves, and, and that may not change because it's training camp, and I'm just going to have to be patient and wait and see how it goes through the regular season, but I'm just get, I'm just letting you know where my head is at. But it was a better day. It is a stingy defense, especially with Jair out there. It is a, a group of guys that have never worked together, and we've been saying all offseason there's going to be growing pains. We know this. they got to work on their timing. they got to work on their routes. they got to work on their communication. they got to work on all this stuff, and now they got to do it live for the first time. They've been thrown against air for a long time. Now you got guys screaming in your face all day long. And look how big of a jump Jordan made from from day one to day two. You know, beautiful throws as well as being able to escape and 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 get some yardage that way. It's cool stuff. So we'll we'll take that. I didn't get the day that I wanted, but it was certainly a uh, uptick. And and Watson as well. I mean, he started off day one having a bad day, and he may have been the best player in this in this entire camp. And day two, that's and and that's what you know. Even Rogers would always talk about. Just don't make the same mistakes twice. You know, you had a bad day, fine. Don't do it again. Christian Watson came back and dominated and dropped a single pass. Plus, we, you know, we, we hear this stuff like today was the rookies are having a bad day. These things happen in training camp where it's like today is just a rough day for the receivers. Today is a rough day for the corners. Today, whatever. As long as it's not every single day, you move on. Luke Musgrave was great in OTAs. He had a pretty solid day one. He had a decent day, day two as well. But two drops is not great. But he's still obviously getting open a ton. He's an absolute matchup nightmare. He's got to be one of the most targeted guys, aside from Romeo Dobbs. He's still probably number two with Christian Watson nipping at his heels as the second most targeted person for Jordan Love. Um, Got a note here from Ryan Wood in the locker room talking to Zach Tom. He says, Zach Tom says he's enjoyed working almost entirely at right tackle. He's rotated on the interior some, but that's his primary position. He knows right tackle is his best chance to start, though he expects rotation with Yash Nyman to continue early in camp. And and I think this is going to be great for everybody. I know they want to rotate things around and kind of see what's best and what's our best fit. But man, you, you, you get these guys playing one position all through camp. You just keep Rasheed Walker at right tackle. Keep Sean Ryan at left tackle. Just stay there and learn to be, or left guard, I mean, learn to be a left guard. That's going to be their best chance of, at improving. I get it, right? We want to make sure we understand all the combinations and all that, but we also know that it, it hurts their development. So if we can, 
Let's keep it the same as much as possible. Great quote by uh, Devontae Wyatt. First of all, he says he's been working his you-know-what off uh, all offseason, so he's he's getting after it. But then Matt Schneidman here, it says, I can tell you right now, this defense, we're bringing more pressure, we're attacking more, and we're ready to dominate more this year than last year. And again, that, you know, I don't think it's just words. First of all, he, he's he's speaking from clearly some knowledge of what the game plan is, right? We're going to be attacking more. Uh, but then again, look at what they've done. They drafted two defensive tackles that are edge rushers, and then they took one of their edge rushers and said, why don't you go learn to be a defensive tackle? Again, I do not expect our run defense to get better this year at all. If it gets worse, I, I, if it doesn't get worse, I'll be surprised. We just gave up on it and said, screw it, just go get the quarterback. Maybe I'm overstating that, but look at the people that are there. Unless, unless they're just like, dude, TJ Slayton's going to be a dog, man. You don't even know. But it's got me excited, man. We, we got some great pass rushers on the interior, and they're just going to get after it. And we got confirmation from Devontae Wyatt saying, yeah, we're, we're coming more than we did last year. Actually, kind of interesting. I saw somebody uh, tag me in some things. Who are you, kind sir? Uh, Jack Moretti on Twitter found somebody who was posting a bunch of videos from camp, um, which is great because I get to actually watch the things that we've been talking about. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't need to hear that. The interception play... I, I can't help but feel like that was completely mischaracterized by everybody in the media, which which is part of the problem with all this. Like, if you see it live, it's nowhere near as bad as it. What everybody said is, he was under pressure, he threw it into a tight coverage, it got tipped and picked. What it looked like was Christian Watson was coming right back to the ball, it hit him in the chest and bounced up, and then it got picked. And Jair, by the way, airtight coverage. So it's either that it bounced off his chest, or Jair got his arm in there and punched it out. So it doesn't even come across. I mean, it's it's not great, but it, it's not what I thought, which is that it either got tipped at the line or he threw it where somebody was and, and somebody else tipped it up. I didn't know that it hit the intended receiver right in the chest and that Jair had his arm in there and either punched it out or hit him in the arm or whatever. And that's what caused it to go up and caused the pick. It's a significantly less bad-seeming interception than what was described. And again, this is part of the complication of people who are trying to like get the tweet out as fast as they possibly can compared to actually watching it and seeing it. And I also see the touchdown pass to Jaden Reed. That was thrown from about the 16, 17-yard line. Probably could have a little been a slight bit out in front, but it didn't really matter. He got it out in front of uh, Devondre Campbell's face and got the touchdown. So that was nice. And uh, Jack Moretti, thank you, sir. You're a gentleman and a scholar, and I'm going to be following all these people who are... <laughs> posting videos that they're not supposed to oh that one actually came from big b also anyways hopefully they keep breaking the rules so i can keep seeing these things and i will say if you can find it or not find it that's on you i don't want to retweet it and draw more attention and that person gets banned from the stadium or anything i want to keep going and keep posting it and hopefully nobody but me sees it but that made me feel a lot better seeing that again still not great but you watch that, if, if, if you're watching that and that's Aaron Rodgers, that would be one of his like four interceptions on the season, three of which were complete f flukes or on the receiver. Or just, you know, a combination of that and, and Jair Alexander just being a freak corner who is not allowed, uh, not about to let some second-year wide receiver catch a pass on him. So, and, and I don't know if I even described it, it, was, it looked like it was a little bit off camera. It looked like it was a comeback route. So he was coming back to the ball. Jordan tried to hit him. Jair comes from behind, wraps around him, and it looks like punched the ball out just as it hit him like in the chest. Ball goes up in the air. Defense gets it. So anyways, um, real quick peek at the old 53 here. Um, actually, I have it at... Um, what's going on here? Got it at 54, so somebody's got to go. But all right, so we already talked about quarterback. We know who the one, two, three, four is right now. As of right now, we'll see if Sean Clifford climbs or if Alex Magoo climbs or however. Danny Etling, not the best day in the world, but um, I thought Sean Clifford actually was really, really solid day one. Day two, didn't really hear very much. Magoo also in improved, although it was relatively bad day. He did get the touchdown in the end. Uh, again, running back, Jones and Dylan. I did swap Tyler Goodson. None of this is, is established. I don't really know what's going on, but I, I currently have Tyler Goodson as the number three running back with Taylor, then Lou Nichols, then Emmanuel Wilson. But again, between, and this has been my stance all along, Lou Nichols, Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson, it's it's like 33% across the board. I'm leaning more Goodson than Taylor than Lou Nichols, but I, I expect that to continue to change around. Tight end, nothing has really changed. Musgrave, number one. Josiah, number two. Tucker, number three. Tyler Davis, number four, did hear a little bit of good news out of Tyler Davis, at least the one note about his blocking ability. Haven't really heard anything about Tucker Kraft. 
So it's been pretty slow moving about that. If I don't hear anything, I'm going to be forced to do something unholy, which is to put him below Tyler Davis at some point. And then again, the offensive line pretty well established. Caleb Jones may need to be moved in um, if he continues to play. I mean, he doesn't have to, but um, I tend to think, you know, if, if Caleb and Rashid are kind of on the same level, but Caleb, they're putting at left tackle and Rashid at right tackle, it makes me kind of think maybe I should prioritize Caleb over Rashid Walker, but I'm not really sure. Luke Tenuta, he was the guy, and I did move them. I had Luke Tenuta ahead of Caleb Jones, but once Caleb came back, immediately he goes in uh, in place of Luke Tenuta. So that kind of gives us an idea of where they're at. Haven't heard a single thing about Kadeem Telford or Gene DeLance. Same goes for Chuck Filiaga, who's an interior guy. And that is all of our offensive linemen. Everybody else kind of has a position. Um, and again, we talked about the defensive tackles. Get Got a clear sign of Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks already getting snaps with the twos, which is great. That may continue to rotate, but didn't hear a single thing about Chris Slayton. I don't think I have in two days. The only thing that was brought up was Brian Gutekunst mentioned him unprompted, but as far as the two days of training camp haven't heard anything, if he's injured or something, I'm not aware of it. Same goes for Garvin. I heard he made a switch, but haven't heard anything. So we've got four established defensive ends and four guys that I have not heard a word about, including those two, as well as Jason Luan and Antonio Moultrie, and then Slayton and Ford. Um, Ford, I just presume, is going to be one of the guys, but I don't know that either. I haven't heard a single thing. I don't have a single note about Jonathan Ford this entire time. So um, I, the only reason I really don't drop him out is because, number one, I'd like to have a second nose tackle, and number two, I, I don't want to go any less defensive tackles. We we have six, and I'd like to keep it at six. And then again, Edge, like I said, is Rashawn Preston, Justin Kingsley, then Lucas, and then I do have Ladarius Hamilton in there, followed by Brenton Cox, although um, haven't really heard very much. Uh, the only thing I've heard about Brenton Cox was that he lost against Tenuta. And then I just want to quickly go through some of the notes in two days of linebackers, just because, as I said, I think it's been mostly solid. Again, sometimes they're giving up passes, but otherwise it's been a lot of notes and mostly positive. So starting with Devondre, we got Campbell, Clark, and Slayton all over a run to the right. Tough sledding for the run. Love finds Dylan in the flat, but nice coverage by Campbell. He was right there for the stop. Play action, roll out to the right, finds DeGuar on the flat. Campbell close by. Jordan Love to Jaden Reed for a gorgeous touchdown to the back of the end zone. That's the one today where he beat uh, um, Campbell. And then Campbell gets payback on the next play as Love's pass gets batted in the air, and Campbell comes down with the pick. So he had a couple passes caught on him. In both cases, it was tight coverage, and then just some pretty solid play from Devondre Campbell. Then Quay Walker. We've got uh, Walker blitzes from the linebacker. We've got, I think we've seen a lot of maturity from both those guys, talking about Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. And then Quay Walker knifes through the line for a potential stop in the backfield. Then we got Isaiah McDuffie. Nice run fill uh, uh, by Jonathan Owens on the toss right. McDuffie right there as well. No gain for Patrick Taylor. Third and three, defense shows pressure but doesn't blitz. Three linebackers on the field, incomplete to Jones. McDuffie was the one in coverage. And then Isaiah McDuffie with a nice start to practice, had a nice rush off the edge on one play. And now a nice run stop. Such a natural player. And then Eric Wilson's one note is Etling incomplete to Goodson. Wilson in tight coverage. Haven't heard anything about Tariq Carpenter other than he was sick and he's not sick anymore. And also Jimmy Phillips is the only other guy. Nothing there. But, you know, I said coming into this, I got four guys that I think are basically locks to make it. Um, and four is, is relatively heavy at linebacker. But I, I really would be stunned if either one of these guys doesn't make the team. And they're killing it right now in training camp. I see no reason for any of them to not make it. With that said, me being at 54, I think Tariq, um, I, I moved Tariq up just because um, my thought process was if we want to just get our best 53, five is a little absurd, but they love him as a special teamer, so I'll just put him up there. But I have to remove somebody, and Tariq, for a lot of reasons, just makes sense at this time. Um, corner, there's really no movement. Jair is still a stud. Uh, we know it's Razul and Stokes. Um, and there was nothing between Valentine or Valentine to move anybody around. No notes on anybody else. Keandre Thomas, Tyrell Ford, William Hooper. Innis Gaines, again, had a great day, day one. Um, but I'm just going to keep it here for now. This is just kind of an experiment putting him in the slot. So I, I'm going to keep Shamar, even though I don't think Shamar has done a ton to really um, – he had one good play day one, smarging Charles all over the throat of the flat from Etling to Melton incomplete. Not as good as Innis, but I think Shamar is that guy, and so he's going to have to actually lose that job to Innis Gaines, which I don't think you do in one day of training camp. But again, I think it's pretty close. Um, 
Safety, again, pretty locked in. It's the same guys as last time. Your number one and two are Savage and Ford. Your number three and four are Levitt and Owens. Um, Anthony Johnson had a pretty good day one. Didn't hear his name once on day two. And then uh, Tarverius Moore and Benny Sapp, pretty much nothing. Again, aside from Tarverius Moore came back from, from his illness. Benny Sapp did have one pass breakup, but I think he's so far down the depth chart. He's going to have to make a lot of uh, a lot of moves here to, to move his way up this, this crowded safety group. Um, and then it, I didn't hear anything about Anders Carlson kicking field goals. So I don't know if they just maybe just didn't do it today. I'm guessing somebody would have covered it if they did. But So that's where we're at. That is that is where my 53 currently sits. Again, this is kind of just tentative and just for fun, but um, that's all I got. As far as NFL news, um, not a ton going on. The uh, Jets, again, kind of just monitoring the offensive line. It seemed like it wasn't quite as bad as day one, but still a lot of struggling going on. A lot of, a lot of pressures. Um, the big news, though, was that Garrett Wilson did get hurt. It sounds like it's probably not serious, but um, that'll be something to monitor. Uh, cornerback Jalen Ramsey was carted off the field. I don't currently know his status, but uh, I saw he was taken to the locker room on the cart. It was an issue with his left leg or knee. I'm sure there's... An, let me just look to see what the update is on Jalen Ramsey. There has to be something by now. That was earlier in the day. Oh, wow. There you go. Uh, Dolphin six-time Pro Bowl cornerback Jalen Ramsey will undergo knee surgery and is expected to miss the start of the regular season with an injury that he suffered during practice today, per league sources. Ramsey's ACL is intact, though, which is a positive. So sounds like there's a good chance he comes back at some point, but he is going to miss um, the rest of training camp and the beginning of the um, the regular season, which is a pretty big blow for uh, for the Dolphins. Just scares you to see that, man, because, you know, the, the other one was Joe Burrow. You see the video of him just pull up. I think it was a calf injury is, is the latest that I heard on Joe Burrow. So hopefully it was just a not like a terror or anything, but maybe just a cramp. I don't know. I would guess it's a little bit more than that. Maybe he, he pulled it or strained it or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just you hate seeing it because it's like it's just a reminder that this could easily happen. You know, I just think about how Jordy, like we lost him for the year that one year. You just hate to have, and it, it was, I think it was just a non-contact. He went up for a pass, came down, and just went right to the ground, tore his ACL. I shouldn't even say things. But um, I'll leave it there. We'll talk tomorrow again about the Andrew Brandt thing, which will kind of run us a little bit in parallel with the Rodgers situation. Um, also, I want to talk about this whole Sean Payton thing, which I just find hilarious. Sean P- Payton came in and is just eviscerating um, Nathaniel Hackett and the job that he did in Denver, and then has just taken all kinds of shots at the Jets. He's coming in, he's just trashing everything. Now the Jets hate him. Billy Turner's throwing. I mean, he's saying stuff he probably shouldn't say to coaches because, I mean, unless your career is basically over, you don't know who you're going to be working with or not working with. I understand you're sticking up for your guys and all that, but anyways, there, there, there's going to be a big, uh, big rivalry there, and I freaking love it. And they play each other, I think, this year, so that's going to be awesome. Obviously, rooting for the Broncos in that situation, but if I had to guess, you know, payback is probably what's going to happen. But I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. Talk to you tomorrow, tonight, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.